0: Penetrating head trauma. Penetrating brain injury is a traumatic brain injury, which is a significant cause of mortality in young individuals. Penetrating brain injury includes all traumatic brain injuries other than blunt head trauma and constitutes the most severe of traumatic brain injuries. Based on the speed of penetration, it can be classified into two categories. High-velocity penetration. Examples include... Uh, Injuries caused by bullets or shell fragments from direct trauma or shockwave injury to surrounding brain tissue due to a stretch injury. Low velocity penetration. Examples include knife or other sharp objects with direct trauma to brain tissue. Epidemiology. Traumatic brain injury is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. Although penetrating trauma is less common than closed head injury, it carries a worse prognosis. Most deaths from traumatic brain injury are due to firearm injuries. In the United States, approximately 20,000 gunshot injuries to the head occur annually. Pathophysiology. The consequences of penetrating head injury depend upon the following factors. Intracranial path and location. High mortality resulting from those that cross the midline, pass through the ventricles, or come to rest in the posterior fossa. Energy and speed of entry. These factors depend on the properties of the weapon or missile. They result from energy being transferred from an object to the human skull and underlying brain tissue. There's a high mortality rate associated with high-velocity projectiles. The kinetic energy involved is related to the square of the velocity. Three mechanisms of injury have been reported, laceration and crushing, cavitation, and shock waves. Size and type of the penetrating object, usually large missiles or missiles that fragment within the cranial vault cause more fatalities circumstances or events surrounding the injury or other associated injuries. Primary injuries occur immediately. Secondary uh, injuries occur following the time of the injury. The final neurologic outcome is influenced by the extent and degree of the secondary brain injury. Therefore, the primary goal in the emergency department is to prevent or reduce conditions that can worsen outcomes such as hypotension, hypoxia, anemia, and hyperpyrexia. The amount of damage to the brain depends on the kinetic energy imparted to the brain tissue. This, in turn, depends on the following factors. Trajectories of both missile and bone fragments through the brain, changes in intracranial pressure at the time of impact. History and physical. The presentation depends on the mechanism, site of the lesions, and associated injuries. History should include date and time of injury, duration and loss of consciousness if present, seizure at the time of impact, any comorbidity, anticoagulants and antiplatelet agents used. Initial physical examination includes a primary and secondary trauma survey with the evaluation of other distracting injuries. A complete physical examination should be performed including a neurological examination. This should include documentation of the Glasgow Coma Scale. The emolument of cranial nerves should be assessed and motor sensory examination should be performed. It is important to realize that neurologic injury may manifest distant to the site of the impact. If unable to fully or formally assess cranial nerves, secondary to lack of patient cooperation, it is important to at least document any findings relevant to the patient's neurology. Evaluation, in the pre-hospital setting or non-trauma facility, stabilize but do not remove penetrating objects such as knives. Patients should be transported quickly to a location capable of providing definitive care. Early recognition of high-risk mechanisms, early imaging, and early evaluation at a level one trauma center may improve outcomes. In the emergency department, resuscitation and stabilization should be provided. Perform a primary survey to identify any life-threatening injuries. Stabilize focusing on the airway, breathing, and circulation, including external hemorrhage while establishing and maintaining cervical spinal mobilization. Early activation of a trauma team may help to provide prompt recognition of polytrauma. The target is to maintain a systolic blood pressure of at least 90 millimeters of mercury. Following the initial resuscitation and stabilization, an inspection of the superficial wound should be performed. Identify the entrance wound and exit wound if present. Beware that blood matted hair may cover these wounds. When a patient presents with a gunshot wound to the head, the other parts of the body, including the neck, chest, and abdomen, should be inspected carefully for other gunshot wounds. Beware that injuries to the heart and or great vessels in the chest or abdomen may be even be more life-threatening. Apply a sterile dressing in both the entrance and exit wounds. Assess whether there is any oozing of cerebrospinal fluid or brain parenchyma from the wound. Evaluate for uh, he- hemo hemotymp- tympanum, which it may indicate basilar skull fracture. Examine all orifices for retention of foreign bodies, the missile, teeth, and bone fragments. Perform neurological examination, including Glasgow Coma Scale, and document well. Evaluating for signs of sug- uh, suggesting in- raised intracranial pressure is crucial. The initial signs and symptoms may be nonspecific and include a headache, nausea, vomiting, and papilledema. The- perform a careful examination of the neck, chest, abdomen, pelvis, and extremities. Assume multiple injuries in cases of penetrating trauma. Obtain a detailed history, including a sample history with an emphasis on the events surrounding the injury. Also determine the type of weapon or caliber of the weapon. Treatment and management. Patients with penetrating head trauma require both medical and surgical management. Medical management. A low threshold for obtaining surgical consultation should be considered in cases of penetrating head trauma. Beware that many patients with penetrating head trauma will likely require operative intervention. Indeed, do not remove any penetrating object from the skull in the emergency department until trauma or neurosurgical evaluation is obtained. Also, the protruding object should be stabilized and provision should be made to protect it from moving during transportation of the patient to prevent further injury. Assess the need for endotracheal intubation, inability to maintain adequate ventilation, inability to protect the airway due to depressed level of consciousness, neck or pharyngeal airways. Normalize PCO2. Avoid hyperventilation because it leads to vasoconstriction and subsequent reduction in cerebral perfusion pressure. This may worsen long-term neurological outcome. Beware that hyperventilation is only a temporizing measure for the reduction of elevated intracranial pressure. Avoid hyperventilation during the first 24 hours of the injury when cerebral blood flow is often reduced.